Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, and this time really always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> uh, Reunited and it's... I don't even know if that's the right melody. Is that the song? <laughs> Is it how it goes? I have no idea which song you're singing, so... It's a song about two people getting back together, Nathan. It's about us. <laughs> you know, I was sitting here. I was like, man, you know, it was uh, it was good that, uh, you know, it could be all about you the week before. And, you know, I- I'm glad it was a little bit about me last week. But, you know, now it's all about we, Zach. And that's where the sweet yeah. spot is. Unless the lyrics to that song get weirdly sexual, which I think they might, <laughs> then that's not the sweet spot at all. Let's not talk about <laughs> sweet spots or anything. <laughs> Moving on from sweet spots. <laughs> oh man! Well, we uh, we do want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Mission Aware, um, and you know, let people know that they have uh, fine products over there. And uh, we want to highlight our these go to eleven page because you know it is all about us again, Zach. And so. Uh, Go on Mission Aware and check out these. Go to Eleven. You can pick up a really cool beer mug with our logo on it, or uh, a flask, or a T-shirt, or anything else that has our logo on it that might suit your fancy. And we have Father's Day coming up too, so you can pick something up for your father or grandfather or whoever whoever the man in your life is that you really care about. Or Greg Dutcher, James King. That's right. Ooh, that could be a good one, James King. Let's get stuff for James King and send it to him. This week, the program is brought to you by our actual lack of a beef with Mission Aware. <laughs> it's all in good fun. That's like the slogan of our lack of beef with Mission Aware. <laughs> Dude, we had a similar thing on Gut Check with, uh, with the curmudge. Oh, like, really? <laughs> he, I think uh, D- David Regeer is, is a friend of our uh, the program and uh, a good guy, and I think... He didn't get that our sort of uh, sense of humor required us to take things too far. Right, right. So, like, when we started talking trash about the coffee situation, <laughs> that he was that he was doing a coffee thing with uh, Ligaris, at first he was, like, you know, playing along, and then when we wouldn't drop it, he, like, DM'd me. He's like... Are we okay? Like what? What's going on? I'm like, no. This is how we. This is how we do it. This is how we roll, man. This is how we roll. <laughs> so um, yeah, Jeff. Uh, I want my. I want my freaking statues. <laughs> but you know what? I realize it's a possibility. He's waiting for me to drop the last eps of the Clinch podcast, which actually. Sometimes when you let something go for a long time, everyone forgets about it. In this case, people are waiting with bated breath. So I right. think I might see if I can get a hold of a uh, discount code or something to, to put on those. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think we had uh, said half a dozen, and, and uh, so I probably still owe them one. But uh, yeah, Mission Aware, it's probably too late for Father's Day unless you tell your dad, man, I ordered that thing from Mission Aware like three weeks ago, and it hasn't arrived yet. But as soon as it does... You know, my my old man would always like wrap a box with like a printout of the picture of the thing he had ordered that didn't get there on time. There was always oh, one yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. One thing where the seller dragged his feet. Do that for dad this year. Get him a. That's right. These go to eleven beer stein. Even if he's no idea what these go to eleven is. That's right. That's right. Drag your feet. Wait till the last minute. Print it out Saturday night, and then and then wrap it up in a box and give it to him. And then if he's confused, make like, oh my gosh, dad. It's the dementia's setting in. Like that was your favorite program. See if you can trick him into listening. That's right. That's right. These go to eleven, tricking listeners one person at a time. <laughs> oh man! Everyone wins. Then we sell merch. Uh, we get more listen. I guess just we win. Now well, that I think about know, it, hey. yeah. But it's but it's all about the listeners. <laughs> Right. It's all about the list. You didn't finish. It's all about the listeners getting us sweet stuff. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> it's kind like of like... Eventually some busts of Spurgeon and... Uh, I don't even remember who the other guy was. Calvin? I think it was Calvin. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. I was just thinking when you said it's all about the listeners, but you forgot the last part. It's kind of like when everybody takes, you know... Uh, the the you know Any number of verses out of context or like short paraphrase of it. It's like it's all about the listeners... 
And then we have the rest of our slogan. <laughs> right. It's all about the listeners, which is uh, these go to 1119-1A. <laughs> you know, whenever you see that letter in there, you're like, ah, you're doing something fishy with <laughs> That's that verse. Right. <laughs> I get the little asterisk next to it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, it's good to be back on. And, Zach, you have uh, been lis- uh, not listening, watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And oh, we've we are- been burning through it, man. Dude, when you finish that up, actually, my wife and I, we've been going back and, and uh, going through it as well. So we are up to book three, uh, which is, I think, where you are right now, too. It correct? is, yeah. We're just a couple eps into book three. Awesome. Fire. Awesome. So we're going to well, do has a- hair and looks weird. I know, right? Um, we'll we'll do a full uh, you know episode on that one once you're finished. But uh, book one and two, uh, just uh, some initial thoughts on it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save the I'm gonna save the the thoughts the reaction until I've seen the whole thing. I do want to have a brief discussion about uh, Calvin and I realized uh, that the movie was just book one. Yes, water. Yes. So we. We didn't watch the whole thing, but it was free on Amazon Prime, so we kind of thumbed through it, looking for specific scenes and characters, and man, it was even worse than I was led to believe. It was just... And that material, first of all, it wasn't asking, it wasn't begging to be made into live action. No. It, it, It was the kind of material that lends itself only to animation. Right. But then... But, I mean, everything... Dude, the, the moment I saw that Ang was like a white kid, right. I was like, "What do you, what do you do? Aren't you Asian, M Night? Why?" It, uh, just then, horrible. T- just totally be honest with me. How annoyed were you that they kept mispronouncing his name? Ong. Yeah. Ong. And then uh, Sokka was Soka. Yeah. It's like, have you even seen the show, dude? And the, the the vibe coming off of Sokka was all wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, he's supposed to be this sarcastic, goofy... He was like the Lance from Voltron or the... Uh, uh, who was the guy who did... Was the same same actor voiced him in uh, Dragon Prince. Oh, the Dragon Prince, yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of lighthearted... I mean, they're all they're all kind of comic relief taking turns. Dude, right. And the, the character of Toph, the moment we met her... I said, this is someone who needs to be added to the main cast for the duration of the rest of this show. And yep. they totally did. And, and <laughs> dude. It works how so cool. well. Uh, dude, the, the, and, and I remember thinking, when someone mentioned metal earlier on, I'm like, and spoiler alerts, if you haven't watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, um, I'm like, if she can feel these vibrations, there is a earth element, you know, to metal... Uh-huh. And it seemed from that one scene like she was like locating, I don't know if this even makes sense scientifically or geologically or whatever, but like locating kind of like the deposits of ore or something in the, the cage she was in. Yeah. And then using that to like, oh my gosh, dude, she's so like, just the raw power in this little girl character. Just so cool. So fun. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and then, as you pointed out on the uh, discussion board, you know you got uh, Rufio who voices Zuko. <laughs> Rufio, yes, <laughs> and it, it is—it's such a great uh, voice cast too. I mean, so many you know high-profile Jason Isaacs uh, voiced uh, General or Admiral uh, Zhao. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, such a huge powerhouse dynamite cast in there. And uh, and Beal. Beal? For uh, <laughs> Katara, her that's uh, May Whitman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A- Anvil's her character from Arrested Development. Oh, okay. Kind of. Okay, yeah. She cut her teeth. Yeah, she she was uh, uh, on Ninja Turtles. She played April O'Neil yes. in my favorite iteration of Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And she's on a show called Good Girls, which yes. is uh, kind of like a female Breaking Bad, but more lighthearted. Yeah, it's and, a Netflix uh, thing, isn't it? No, it was. It's on a network, but it got okay. uh, popular, I think, through Netflix, and and then got re-upped after it got popular through Netflix. But uh, what's funny to me is that they they were able to make everyone think of her as like the most plain, boring person on earth, and then you see her acting in other things, and uh, she's she's like so full of energy, and and you know she she's a whirlwind, and she's so she's always the weird one, and the yep. and. and, and She's the very opposite of uh, Anne. Yes. <laughs> but 
yeah, she's she's awesome. The whole thing's great, and uh, yeah, we we have to definitely. Uh, I've been jotting down my favorite lines. Nice, um, nice aspects of the show that I think my my thesis is if it keeps on the same, and it's it's not going to disappoint me at this point. I mean, we're the majority through it now. Yeah, we're kind of in the home stretch. Is that it? It doesn't belong in the category of like children's programming. I really don't think it does. It's though from a writer standpoint. Yeah, the way that it approaches its story is leaps and bounds ahead of even of uh, like the Dragon Prince. I yeah. said in my Ask Me Anything, like I, I didn't think it was way better. That's because season one was laying some groundwork. Once we got partway into season two, I was like, dang, this thing is yeah. It's really tightly written, and yeah. then it's really well executed. Yes, yes, tons of dramatic moments in it, and and very well, uh, very well voice cast and acted. I, I love. Um, I I know we're not supposed to be talking about it, but I just I can't help it now. It's our program, man. We talk about it if we want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I just I love um, Mako or Mako, however you pronounce it. His. Um, just the dynamic moments with Zuko and and guiding him and leading him um, along. So just that so. guy died, though. Yeah, he and did. in our first couple apps that we've watched in Fire, he mm. hasn't said anything. Like he's in jail and he just has his back to Zuko and he won't talk. Did you notice a difference when you first started when you first watched it? And and, a, and some guy named Greg takes over yes. for the incomparable Bruce Lee. Uh, Pure, you know, of, yes. of, of I think I thought it was Mako. Yeah, um, I, th- it, I think so. Yeah, is, I, um, is it noticeable? Um, it, it is a little bit, but like he does a good job at at being close enough. Mm-hmm. So you do there. There are occasions where you notice it, but again, I think he does a good job at being close enough that you're like, and yeah, it, it's just it's okay. This works, so it's not nearly as. Um, as horrible as you might think, um, you know, voice actors—they're so incredibly talented, and um, you know, can can do so many things with their vocal cords to make them, um, you mm-hmm. know, sound um, very similar to other, you know, other people and uh, characters. Yeah, yeah. So. real voice. And you know, what's funny is I was just watching a YouTube video before I left for here to bring my kid to karate. That uh, it was about the kind of slow devolution of animation in America um, with kind of the starting, starting with some stuff before Aladdin, but really with Aladdin where there was all Robin Williams, Robin Williams. And then it went from like professional voice actors inhabiting these roles to, okay, what A-listers can we blow the budget on? Yeah. And now half the time, I don't, I, I have a huge disconnect in my mind between, you know, who Angelina Jolie or whoever it is that's supposed to be, uh, you know, and th- thankfully Disney's gotten back to, you know, if you watch Coco or yeah. Tangled or even Frozen, you know, I don't think anyone really, you know, some of those actors who've become more well-known weren't yet. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're moving back toward the notion of, yeah, there are, there's this whole pool of people who can just become someone else entirely. Yes. You know, when you watch a, when you watch the credits and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that guy was Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And then like 19 other people yes. that sound nothing like, I like, you know, yes. it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh man. Jim, Jim Cummings, who, who voiced Winnie the Pooh. Oh, he's one of my favorite voice actors of all times. I mean, not only Winnie the Pooh, but he also did, um, he did Tigger and he was, um, I don't know if you remember, um, cartoon bonkers, um, just so, so many different characters. Yeah, He also did Duck Dodgers. Yep. Duck Dodgers. Was <laughs> did he- you ever see the, the, the Comic Con thing where he, he read, uh, he and one of the Powerpuff Girls uh, did a reading from um, it was it was like the Emperor and Darth Vader. Yes, yes, and he was <laughs> in the Winnie the Pooh voice. Yes. And stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, that is just brilliant stuff. Yes, yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, and I think um, you said Duck. Dark- I think he also did uh, Darkwing Duck. I think that may be what I'm thinking of. Is oh, okay. I mean, both of them sound like uh, same you know, the thing. Same yeah. Duck, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, voice actors. I you know just. Absolutely um, 
you know, love it. I mean, the guy who I forget his name, but the guy who voiced SpongeBob, you know, he uh, was Yakko Warner in Animaniacs, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just so many uh, faceless wonders out there. Dude, Animaniacs, that's brilliant stuff, too. I've been showing my kid that, but you have to buy it. It's not free to stream anywhere. Oh, it's not on Netflix anymore? I should probably just get the DVDs like the Gen Xer I am. (laughs) Just roll with it, man. Just roll with it. Uh... Anyway, this has been Grown Men Discussing Cartoons. Absolutely. Hey, (laughs) this is amazing stuff. Um, Now, you had something that you had texted me about. And uh, it's a topic right. we uh, are going to uh, see how it goes. So I'm going to let you lead it off because you're like, hey, I got this thing. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm intrigued. Do I it. I said it was either brilliant or really dumb. And I, I still don't know. <laughs> Here's the background to, to what, what prompted this thought in me. Okay. My wife and I... Wanted to have a little uh, cigar together before she she's on her way. She's at a country club right now, oh. presenting something about her her novel. We hope for better things, um, which is doing far 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 better than any of my novels ever did, which makes me happy and jealous. Um, nice. And uh, so we wanted to just have a and I opened the humidor and there was like one cigar and I said let's go get a few, but we didn't have much time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went to a, a place with a, a cowboy-themed name. I'm not going to give them a free promo here. Uh, <laughs> and we won't accept uh, a sponsorship from them. Uh, because it's the kind of place that you walk in and there's a full walk-in humidor. But before that is just like the saddest corridor of other <laughs> crap. Um, and And I said... We, we probably don't have time to go to uh, the Downtown Smoking Club, which is a really nice place in, in downtown Lansing, uh, just down from the Capitol building. I said, so I guess we're going to uh, head over to the old bong and vape. <laughs> and she started laughing her butt off, and I was like, oh, that's what it's called from now on. It's the bong and vape, because it's like all bongs right at first, and then there's a whole row behind the counter of like the vape juice, you know what I'm yeah. talking about, the little different yeah, yeah, flavors yeah. and crap. And then you can go from there into a pretty decently stocked humidor. But, like, it's the kind of place we would never, ever darken the doors of, but for the fact that it's two blocks from our house and it's super convenient. I can walk there in five minutes. I can drive there in one. Um, And I was on the way home. I was just thinking about, like, the fact that I so frequently go into a place like that, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure eventually now that we've got, like, the legal pot here – um, is going to start selling crap that makes me go, okay, I can't go here anymore. Right, right. But uh, the fact that I, like, if I would have told, if, if if I went back and told, like, 20-year-old Zach that, that he frequently went to a place to buy cigars that, that prominently sold, like, glassware, and then explained what vaping was and the kind of, uh, you know, D-bags who do it, <laughs> he'd probably beat me up, and, I, and I'd be powerless to stop him because he's more powerful than me. Um, and, and I'm thinking, like, is there some connection, you know, just just a, a basic human thing deep in the soul, some connection to be made to our cultures, especially the church's kind of uh, consumption of not great spiritual stuff because of convenience. Mm. And I know so many people who I talk to them about, you know, reading the scriptures, reading spiritual stuff, re- doing, you know, a devotional reading and that kind of thing. And it seems like we are at the point. I mean, in the past, at least you had to get in your car and go to a Lifeway or a Zondervan family store or a family Christian store, as it became that, and walk around. You weren't going to get any good. That was still convenient, and you probably, unless you you know happened to know who you were looking for, you might get some John Piper. You know, you might get you might get something good, but but right. probably what they had, you know, on the end caps was going to be some. Joyce Meyer junk or something like that. You, you know, best yeah. case scenario, walk out with something by Beth Moore, right? And and you profit from it. Yeah. So I'm um, like now you don't even have that. Those are all gone. And I know people who are like, well, whatever you know, I open my phone and whatever is the thing on you know you version, I just read that. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever's on this, or you know, I know people who yeah, I, I do Joseph Prince's studies. They get emailed to me, and I'm like, that dude's a straight heretic. Like, right. yeah, I like him, and it's easy. You know, like the. And the the notion that it's almost this kind of the the spiritual equivalent of of popping down to the bong and vape 
and and just because it's easy, right. even though it's not the best. Right. And once in a while, I put one of those cigars in my mouth, if it hasn't been truly cellophane shut, and I swear I taste like the residue from like the vape garbage on it. Yeah. And it's just and they're and they're not quite humidified correctly. They're they're always they're they're not crunchy. They're over humidified. So you get a little you know you're like is this plume or plume or is this uh you know a little bit of mold or what am I dealing with here? And it, it's just it's a bad situation, but it's easy. Yeah. And and I'm thinking about just even people who are like I'm a Christian, I walk with Jesus. I'm trying to grow. It seems like it's just a foregone conclusion that doing the easiest thing and you know following the easiest way and and feeding on the the most convenient materials is I mean it, it, and it's crazy because in this day and age it's almost as convenient to search out the good stuff you can still get it on your phone if you go to CCEL or one of these other places right right. But uh, what, what do you think? Is there anything here, or is yeah. this a uh, tenuous connection? Well, at best? I think no. I mean, I think you're right. I think there is something. I for the longest time, I've had a saying that American culture is in everything. It's the Burger King culture. Your way, right away, and it's wanting to wanting not only things to be convenient, but wanting them to be easy too. Um, you know, and there is. When you when you start getting into deeper, true doctrine and theology in God's Word, it it does bend your mind and it does cause you to have to reevaluate your life. It does cause you to have to, you know, truly think about um, sanctification. It does, you know, truly have to think, you know, cause you to think about um, the holiness of God and and the implications of that in my life. Um, but you know who who wants to do that i mean you know i've got millions of shows on netflix i've got you know 400 cable channels i've got hulu i've got amazon prime and so you know it's better you know i'll i'll wake up in the morning and i'll open you know our daily bread and get my 10 minute quick fix and move on and and yeah. i'm not saying that judgmentally because i know that i've been guilty of that too um you know that there are times where it's like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my breakfast on the go. I'm gonna get my devotional on the go, and I'm gonna go um, instead of, you know, truly taking the time to really seek out God and and, and dive into His Word. And which I mean, that's better than nothing, right? right I mean, right. saying I'm gonna start my day by by in any way focusing on God's Word and praying that He'll He'll guide me through the day. I'm not. It's 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 certainly better, but but if that's the extent of it, right. and I was going to say before you brought up our daily bread, that kind of pokes a hole in my theory because, I mean, going back way before streaming or any of this convenience we have now, yeah, that was all like when I was in Bible college in the in the mid nineties, yeah, that was derisively called our daily crouton by some of our profs, <laughs> um, because it's you know it's a story that's not it's extra biblical illustrative story, yeah, and then a verse and then a few little thoughts on it, which is again it's. If, if it's a little moment, and if it's going from nothing to that, great. Right. But we don't want to stay at that forever. So right. the convenience, but I mean, I compare that with a story that I heard um, we, when when I worked for Family Christian Store at the, the corporate office, we had uh, Lee Strobel come in, and he was talking about his coming to faith from being an atheist. Yep. And he was talking about how he went to... A, he was he was still a convinced atheist. He was just starting to look into this stuff, and he went to a Christian bookstore, mm-hmm. and he just explained, you know, I'm just looking for a primer. I'm looking for something basic. And the guy who wanted, I think it was just like a mom and pop, you know, the kind of it's probably Frank Turk and his and his wife. I think they ran this <laughs> store, <laughs> or or a different one. Uh, but the guy said, uh, I know I know exactly what what you want, and he pulled out Mere Christianity by by. Clive, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, uh, th- "Read this. I can tell you're kind of an intellectual. This is this will this will scratch your itch and it'll answer some of your questions. And uh, you know, come back, and let me know." And he said, "Well, do you have a a paper bag, like a paper bag with no logo on it? Because I don't want to walk out of here and walk around this mall and people know that I've, you know, got a Christian book. I'm, I'm right. embarrassed by that." And the guy's like, "No, I'm sorry. I mean, it'll probably fit in your coat pocket." And he said, "Okay, no problem." And he took it. So he came back like three months later. 
and the guy had special ordered four or five other books uh, that he thought might be helpful to him and put them on the shelf and he said, you know, here they are. And then when he went and bought a couple of them, the guy pulled out a plain brown paper sack and put them in mm-hmm. because it was it was full on like ministry, which I've right. seen. I used to work in the retail setting, and I you know I've seen it. I've seen it go well. Yeah, you know when when people actually seek out what they need, whether you're doing it online or in one of these stores that, that sadly are no more, or one of these mom and pop ones that's still hanging on, and it can go really well. But the most convenient version would have been for him to walk in, look at the planogrammed, you know, bestseller pay uh, section or or end cap or whatever, grab some garbage, you know, with just man-centered nonsense, saccharine theology, go home, read it, and go, this is stupid, right. and write the whole thing off. So I don't know, how do we, in an age where we're beyond... You know the ability to actually in, engage a, a seeker or a non-believer on that level in a bookstore setting. Yeah. Um, how, how do we regain, re, re, you know, capture that and say we'll still put in the work to figure out, you know, what what's best for feeding my soul? What's going to stretch me a little bit? What's going to not just be the easiest thing, not just pop open my phone and say, oh, here's the next one. And again, it's probably better than nothing. Right. But there, it's such a cavalier approach to things because there's there's a glut of options. Yeah. And a lot of times people just don't know what's good and what's not. Yeah. And, and even with the bookstore, again, I, I had a guy who taught um, uh, Sunday school at my church and he said, you know, your preaching has made me reassess how I did this. I used to just go into the bookstore and just kind of flip through and be like, oh, here's a study that's kind of thin for our class with some discussion questions. I'll just get this many copies of it and go. And now I buy one copy of seven or eight and really spend some time and decide which one's best. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how we get people to re-engage with, with taking the time in a, a culture where we don't feel like we have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, going back to one of the things you said, the story about Lee Strobel, you know, it, it actually brought to mind, you know, what you were saying and thinking about um, David Evan or Evan David, the guy that we had on who, you know, wrote the book on atheism. And I remember, you know, when we were talking to him about some of the research he did, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, Rick Warren and Brian McLaren and, and you and I, like, mm-hmm. if we'd been in the same room, we would have looked at each other and been like, are you crazy? And, and, you know, you didn't say that on air, but you, you did say, yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily consider those guys. I mean, certainly not Brian McLaren, but, you know, Rick Warren, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't really consider them a strong source, um, to, to be using, uh, in your research. Mm -hmm. And so there is so much more out there, you know, somebody just walking in. But I think, I think from the perspective of the Christian community, which is more what we're talking about now, I think that's indicative of the, the church culture that they're in and, and their, their, their pastor. You know, I know that our church really strives to make recommendations to the congregation of solid biblical books that, that people should be reading and, mm-hmm. um, you know, checking out. So if, if you're looking for something to read, you know, go here, look at this, you know, do, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to do um, something in a Bible study to supplement um, you know, maybe you're in between books or whatever, check out this resource. And so there's really an emphasis on, you know, putting good material into people's hands, you know, and, you know, yeah. John Piper, Tim Keller, you know, all these people um, who, you know, uh, Matt Chandler, all these people who we would consider, you know, these are strong theologically based teachers, you know, that's who we want you to be looking at that's who we want you to be reading and a lot of the other stuff i mean greg is quite frank like don't waste your money on it you know um and if you can you know and it's not that he's opposed to people 
you know, reading those things, but it's like literally I think you're going to be wasting your money if you do this. And so if you can get a free copy or go to the library and get it, sure, go ahead and do that. But, um, you know, don't go out and spend the money on on this. Um, rather, spend your money on this instead. And so I think that has a lot to do with it, that if um, the pastor is along those same lines in the church where, you know, he, he's not going biblically deep and it's all surface level and it's all easy and it's all convenient, then that's going to breed a culture in the church that is very similar. Or if the pastor is biblically going deep and and is stronger, but not watching out for his congregation and making recommendations that are going to help them grow in their faith, then everything and anything is going to be up for grabs. You know, I, I try and put things in our church library I feature certain things on kind of a shelf that faces out. You know, you face several books, and then we've got some of those little book stands amidst all the tons and tons of spines. Yep. Um, and our, our church library is also a gathering place where we, you know, eat the cookies and drink the coffee every Sunday and everything. Right. And I, I always am frustrated at how few people ever take advantage. I mean, we get a new influx of books from Brazos, Baker Academic, Baker, and Ravel every three months because my wife gets all these tons of them for free because she works there and a bunch more for free because she's one of their authors. Right. And so, you know, we are reaping all these benefits and then people at the same time, again, they'll pop something up on the phone. And and I think that probably it's, it's a better situation in my church because people have, have become more discerning Mm -hmm. uh, over the past few years, but still it's so easy. And, and when you were talking about, uh, you know, emphasizing the, good stuff from the pulpit or in a newsletter or whatever, I was thinking something I had overlooked was the notion of the church bookstore. Mm. Like, for example, I listen to Alistair Begg, uh, and he almost always will say over the course of a sermon, oh, yeah, you can pick that up in our bookstore. Yeah. It's a good one. You should read it. And they can make sure that it only contains stuff that is going to not be offensive to good doctrine, right. that is going to be uh, building up. And, I mean, that's something I think only a much larger church could do. Oh, yeah. Even a church of, say, 800, 1,000, 1,200 might struggle to... I mean, you, you could keep it going on Sunday between when service ends and an hour later or something. But to have a bookshop uh, right there, even a church the size of, like, uh, Kevin DeYoung's old church here in, in town... Uh, university reformed. I had always thought it would be cool if they had a, a bookstore that was open a couple days a week. Uh, when I was, you know, young, restless, reformed Zach, thirteen, fourteen years ago, right, right, um, and, and wanting to kind of build that that part of me and read more of the stuff I hadn't, and, and they never they never went that route. Um, the only ch- churches around here in my area that I know of that that are big enough to sustain a bookstore are going to have the same sort of uh, lowest common denominator stuff. I fear that, that most Christian bookstores had in the front on the, on the end caps and on the, on the featured tables. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't have a bookstore, do you? We don't No, We, we had, um, we actually didn't even have a library for the longest time uh, because our building was so small. We just had what was called the pastor's bookshelf. And so, um, Usually once a quarter, they would cycle through new books. Um, And so what they would do is they would get books uh, pretty much at cost, and they had a little donation thing. So really, I mean, members of the church could just go and take books. Um, They didn't even necessarily have to put anything in there, Um, you know, but it was more just to help cover the cost of those things. And so once a quarter, there would be a new rotation on the pastor shelves of things that they had been reading and studying that they thought were um, of you know higher quality to get into the um, the congregation's hands. That's a cool idea. Yeah, it's you but know. But you have a library now. It sounds like no, because since moving buildings, we actually um, this is going to sound ridiculous. We're in a bigger building, but we actually don't have the space for it. <laughs> Now, do you have a large coffee shop? Uh, no, not a large coffee shop. Like we have, we actually we have a table that the coffee sits on. So we, so even in that, like we haven't expanded, you know, the uh, our coffee area 
tremendously. Um, Get your pro your your uh, priorities in in order, man. Come on. I know, right? You'll you'll have to uh, harass Dutcher about that when he's on next week. Now, here's a question: Is Dutcher's office so huge and sprawling that you could cut it in half and make half of it a pretty good sized library? Uh, no, absolutely not. But he actually he does have uh, three or four floor-to-ceiling bookshelves that's stocked. So people can always go down to his office and he's you know more than willing to let people borrow books and make recommendations and, mm-hmm. and pass books out to people. So um, so I mean I guess in a sense there is you know a library in the ter- church that <laughs> is Dutcher's office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a stamp in every book of mine Ex Libri Zachary Bartles and if people borrow them I write their name and the name of the book in my Palm Pilot and I say to them <laughs> If you don't return this, you're going to get diarrhea until you return it. So, and, and I know that people don't think I have magical powers, but you know, if you get inside someone's head enough, there can be a psychosomatic kind of reaction. That's right. I think. That's right. When, <laughs> books. It's when, funny with me. Books are so important, and, and there'll be a book on my shelf I haven't read in 12 years, and I'm probably maybe I'm never going to read it again. Mm-hmm. But I'm loath to loan it out. I don't know why. There's something about having it there yeah uh that's i don't know why that is but but that's that's something i'm glad i lived during the era that valued books yes before uh the the kind of full democratization of information where now there's no real separation between somebody's live stream of their makeup tips and somebody's whole life being poured into a project yeah. It's all sort of lost in the noise. Yeah. Uh, you know, all this talk of book, Zach, it's actually um, – it's been maybe close to a year before we – you know, since we've done a uh, a good book review here. So maybe that's something that we should look to uh, look to go ahead and do on the podcast, make some, uh, make some book recommendations. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think you and I both mentioned what we were reading at the moment in our Ask Me Anythings, right? Mm-hmm. No, actually, I didn't get that question. Oh, so and you got more questions than me. So uh, yeah, I, I take that as a little bit of a slight <laughs> by the listening. But then again, I I gave people like three hours, right? And uh, I posted about yours like forty eight hours in advance. Days, but <laughs> but, well, but still, come on. Well, and in all fairness, you had three of the questions, so. I had what? You you posted three of the questions to me. Oh, right, right. I'm like, let me grease this thing. I'm going to get it going. And then I was like, well, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> and you, oh, what was the thing? You, you, you missed a point on one of my things. I was, I was asking in a complete fantasy scenario in which you couldn't be sued uh, or fired uh, or, or thought ill of. What would be the punishments for oh. these particular? And, and I think you knew that, and you were like, "I can't go there." Yeah. So I'm just going to say what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like the same thing. If you asked me, what would be my fantasy for uh, punishing people whose phones go off during right. the sermon? I can't say that out loud. Right. <laughs> I, I have to show some restraint. <laughs> well, all right. So, what are you reading right now, Nathan? Um, I am actually in the process of reading Andy Stanley's Deep and Wide. Um, and I just heard the sound of a hundred listeners groaning over, uh, you know, over the uh, internet there. Um, yeah. But uh, but here's why. So um, when Greg went on sabbatical, he started looking at uh, different pastors uh, in terms of public speaking and the way that they were uh, carrying themselves on stage. And I think I think we talked about that actually when he came back and just. He had just been doing um, a lot of research and just different ways of particularly communication. And so he had started um, more so looking into just the way Andy Stanley carries himself on stage and his stage presence and things like that um, from behind the pulpit or the podium, whatever he has now, or the table or the chair, whatever it is. Um, And so he had been... Uh, while on sabbatical reading some of the stuff that he wrote and he, you know, read deep and wide. And he was like, you know, I want to give this to you to read uh, because I think it's fascinating. He's like, you know, I don't agree with everything in there, but some of his concepts and some of the things that he says, I really like and want to get your thoughts on it. So 
Um, so I've been kind of going through that. And the first half is actually really interesting. Or not the first half, but the first few chapters are interesting because it's more about um, his his family, his history, and, and how the church got to where it was. Um, so that's been a really interesting uh, piece of it, and I'm still I'm slowly working my way through that because uh, school winding down and all that. So I'm still kind of in the uh, the history portion of all that stuff. So that is actually the most current thing that I am I'm reading right now. So I can't wait to talk to Dutcher about that a week from now. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm not going to be kind, man. I'm going <laughs> to. Well, actually, it's, be brutal. It's funny um, because we were um, we were having breakfast about two weeks ago or so, and I was I was talking to him about it. I was like, I was like, dude. I said, as soon as Zach hears about this, you're going to get torn apart. He's like, he's like, that's okay. I I have no problem. You know, uh, I have no problem with that. You know, it'll it'll be good to to get on and and you know talk about. Uh, the the things that uh, we're focusing on in what he's done. So uh, so yeah, I will let him know that uh, that you are prepared to to go at him. So it'll, I'm it'll not yet, good. but I will be. You will be. <laughs> I'm gonna put in the time. No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: I, I have noticed a real correlation mm-hmm. between people who are celebrated as being great communicators despite not being good theologians mm-hmm. and people who are actually not very good communicators. Mm-hmm. Like, show me... Seriously, I, I, I really think Joel Osteen is a very poor communicator. Mm-hmm. He doesn't He doesn't do... Like, anytime you go into... Uh, a basic homiletics class. Um, I, I've been through quite a few of them in that I, I actually went to Bible college in a pre-seminary program and I had a, a seminary classes on them. And uh, you're always going to have, or, or for that matter, I mean, you know this stuff uh, in education, if you're doing like a, a class on public speaking. Right, right. You're going to have forms that, that you rate people on different areas. Yep. And some things that are important are variation of, of volume, yep. tone, uh, tempo, you know, you, basically using all the non-words, all the non-verbals at your disposal to help communicate the message. Yes. And I, I find someone like Joel Osteen to be very lacking in that area. It's all, basically, you could write an algorithm very quickly that you punch any subject in, or any sentence, rather, and it spits out exactly like Joel. I mean, there's, there's nothing about it. Right. Uh, there, somebody like, say, Francis Chan, mm-hmm. who you're watching and you're sort of edge of your seat because you don't know where this guy's going next. Yep. Um, I, you can you can also go way too far to the extreme where everything is, you know, like the full gamut of emotion in every clause. Right. Where I, I feel like I, someone like Paul Washer loses me uh-huh. doing that. Um, and I know a lot of people are really into him. He's a wonderful minister of the gospel, done much more of the kingdom than I have. It just doesn't connect with me. But, but like, as far as I'm concerned, there aren't many guys out there that are, that are legitimately good communicators that we should study despite their being. And I don't think Andy Stanley is anything to write home about. I do think Rob Bell, your cousin, is, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) an amazing communicator. Like, amazing. And I think he's much better live sitting there in his presence than on like a Numa video or something. Mm-hmm. But this guy, he you 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 lock in with him, and and he's worth studying, mm-hmm. even though the stuff that he's saying is is heretical trash these right. days. But I don't know. I, from my point of view, Andy Stanley type guy. It's, those guys are a dime a dozen at every like wannabe hip. Uh, mm-hmm. Overproduced, varnished church. Mm-hmm. So, is it, or was it more about kind of the uh, approach to ministry and not the delivery of the message? Well, it started as the delivery because he wasn't just. It wasn't just Andy Stanley. It was Andy Stanley. It was Ferdy. It was, um, it was Washer. It was Piper. I mean, he was looking at just a uh-huh. wide range of um, of pastors, you know, in their speaking forums. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, just Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley, um, what drew his attention was his approach to ministry. 
Um, and so he, he started becoming more interested in that aspect of um, not going – and actually we just had a whole um, service on this, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, um, not going seeker-sensitive but being more open and hospitable. And that's something that our church had been lacking for a number of years since I had been there. And so it was more a process of approach to ministry and things like that. And so um, within that, that's kind of what, you know, his initial study of all these different speakers is what pulled him more toward looking at Andy Stanley and, you know, his approach to ministry um, and being uh, more open to people. And again, one of the things that was of concern was, well, does that mean we're being, you know, seeker sensitive and all that? And he's like, no, I mean, we just, we want to make sure that, you know, when people are coming through the door, they're greeted with a smile, you know, that, that we are, that the only offense that is before them is the offense of the gospel. And so, you know, from, from my standpoint, Greg has always been a great communicator. I've, I've connected with him in his way of communicating. Yeah, um, he's a great preacher. I've listened to a, a number of his messages. He's he's very good. Yeah, and so nothing from that end is going to change. Nothing from the end of um, the way he preaches in terms of pulling everything back to the gospel. Everything back to Christ is changing. Um, you know, he's you know said it a hundred times before, and he's still saying it now that we unless people understand the depravity of. Um, who they are, then the gospel isn't going to mean anything. So it's not watering down who we are as people um, and who God is as a savior and, and living in light of that. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, you know, making sure that when people are coming into the doors of the church that, you know, we as um, a church family are being more welcoming and open and, and open mm-hmm. to them, um, greeting them and, you know, making sure that we are loving the outsider, um, you know, as much as, you know, we are, uh, each other. Um, and so that was more his fascination and, you know, his thoughts are that he believes Andy Stanley's church does that very well. Um, so I'm not going to get a slight, a nuance there instead of the only offense being the offense of the gospel. <laughs> it's the only offense is the offense to the gospel of uh, Andy Stanley's preaching. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to stand here um, and, you know, try to um, argue on Greg's behalf. Um, those points no, no, and all let's, that. Let's let Greg stand yeah. or fall on his own too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually also try to read more widely than I would be comfortable with. I mean, it's so easy to get in your echo chamber, yeah. just read people in your quote unquote tribe and not gain much out of it. Yeah. And yeah, there is, there's an awful lot to be learned from. I mean, even from the point of view of how is Andy Stanley mobilized so many people who were super disenfranchised by the church to now, uh, be willing to listen to sermons and and reassess whether or not maybe this this is something they want in their life. It, it, I'm I'm being contrary just for contrariness' sure. sake. Uh, I've 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 got no beef with it really. Yeah. Uh, but I would. I mean, Dutcher probably won't listen to this before we record, and I am going to pretend I have one just because I want to hear him squirm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw the I saw the best meme today. Um, it was. It was a, a guy about two-thirds of the way up a really tall extension ladder, mm-hmm. right? He's on the ladder. The ladder is leaning against the very top of a tree. And he and this was a photograph. Yep. And he is sawing the tree down. <laughs> and it says, on the ladder, it says, New Testament. On the tree, it says, Old Testament. And on the guy, it says, Andy Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's hysterical. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, too funny. Too funny. Oh, man. Hey, we, uh, have we gotten any, like, milestones or anything in the discussion group? Have we hit 100? We haven't hit 100. We haven't gotten that far up, have we? we, we the 100th person, you get something, maybe. <laughs> you get a book by Andy Stanley. It's going to come signed by Greg Dutcher. It's going to arrive in the... Pony Express, right in your mailbox. <laughs> oh, man. 
No, but if you haven't gotten on that, listener, get on it because it is by and I say this as somebody who's on a bunch of groups, including other podcasts that I host and follow and all sorts of stuff. It's it's where I go first when I go on Facebook. In fact, sometimes it's the only reason I go on Facebook because I know there's going to be interesting discussion and funny stuff going on. Yeah, it is. It's it is a ton of fun to get on there and know, you know, that no matter you know where where you're where it's kind of popping up in the feed and what discussions popping up in the feed that um, you know it's just it's going to be a great conversation. You know we have such a flow and mix of you know more theological conversations, more life practical conversations, entertainment conversations with movies and things like that. And so you know really um, really is a great group and would definitely recommend people getting on that. Um, I also want to remind people you know. Um, to, to hop on and, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter if you're not doing that because, you know, we, we do things through Twitter as well. And then uh, leave us some love. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or Stitcher. We're up on any of those. Um, and so, you know, the more you leave us reviews, the higher up we go on the list and ratings and people are able to find us easier. So, you know, getting all getting all the promotional things out there for everyone so you know know what i feel like you've really picked up some self-promotion tips from andy stanley (laughs) (laughs) actually it's not andy stanley it's another podcast i've been listening to um so this this other podcast it's a DD podcast called sneak attack and at the end of every episode they're just reminding people to go on and you know uh give them a review give them a rating and so um I want to. I want to start being more conscientious about that and, and reminding people. You have to time do that. for that, but not for the gut check podcast, huh? <laughs> Actually, Dude, I am. <laughs> I'm locking eyes right now with a uh, beautiful white-tailed deer that just wandered into this parking lot. I feel really bad for it. It must be so scared. Oh wow! Is Aww. is the area you're in like? Urban? There are adjacent woods, but not in the direction it's sort of headed. I wonder if I should try and scare it back in the right direction. I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to jump off here, man, uh, and see if I can keep this thing from running into the freeway and getting plowed over. All right, that sounds good. And as you're uh, hopping off, we're going to sign off. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to eleven.